Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. ArchiCAD is the official BIM software of the Entree Architect community. ArchiCAD BIM software enables design, collaboration, visualization, and project delivery no matter the project size or complexity with flexible licensing options and a dedicated support team to guide us along the way, ArchiCAD is an ideal choice for firms and projects of any size. I encourage you to reach out and talk to the folks at Graphisoft by visiting our own dedicated webpage at graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect. There's even an exclusive special offer waiting for our Entree Architect community. Go now to graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect and see how Graphisoft is positioned to help make your architecture firm a success. That's graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect. My name is Mark Arlapage and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Todd Henry, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Mark, it's so great to be here. Thanks for the kind invitation. Oh, I am so excited to have you here, Todd. Uh, Todd teaches leaders and organizations how to establish practices that lead to everyday brilliance. Todd Henry, he's the author of six books, the Accidental Creative, Die Empty, Louder Than Words, Herding Tigers, The Motivation Code, and his latest book released this past September, Daily Creative, Find Your Inspiration to Spark Creative Energy and Fight Burnout. 
So Todd's been podcasting at the Accidental Creative Podcast since 2005. And in the early days of the Entrepreneur Architect blog, very early on, before 2005, I started listening to podcasts. And um, the Entrepreneur Architect blog was the predecessor to EntreeArchitect.com and everything that followed, including the podcast that you're listening to right now. Todd was an inspiration for me back then. His thoughts on creative creativity and how creative professionals can be more impactful with the work that they do and his willingness to share his knowledge with the world through his books, through podcasting, through speaking. He was most certainly one of the seeds that planted in my mind back then as I launched the Entree Architect platform back in 2012. So Todd, I am so excited to have you here on the podcast. This is full circle. Uh, you know, all these years later, you were one of those podcasters that I listened to when I first discovered podcasting, traveling back and forth to, you know, to, to vacations or going back and forth to different places, wherever I was traveling, I was listening to podcasts and your voice was one of those voices I heard back then. And so I'm excited to have you here with me today. Well, that's so very kind. And I, well, that's very kind of you to say that. And also very gratifying because I, make the podcast and I've always made the podcast for practitioners, for people who are out in the world doing things, uh, making things, uh, you know, not just theoreticians, uh, but people who are actually out, you know, trying to create value for people. And you're certainly one of those people. So that's very gratifying to hear that you found it useful. By the way, when you started listening, there were probably like five podcasts in the world. I just happened to be one of them. So <laughs> it was very, very early in podcasting. <laughs> it was very sparse. It's funny because we talk about it now. It's like back then it was, I mean, literally we had to explain to people, A, what is a podcast? Right. B, you know, how do you like drag files off your computer, put them on your iPad over a firewire cable? Like we literally had to do like, you know, step-by-step -step instructions for how to listen yeah. to a podcast. And it's so easy, right? Um, and just the plethora of riches that we have now is just unbelievable. As as you well know, with Entree Architect, right? And all the work that you're doing, it's just, it's so much different now than it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different world for sure. Um, it, it's, I heard on your last episode that I was just listening to uh, yesterday uh, that you, you brought up Seth Godin with, with your guest um, and how Seth Godin sort of is is the center, right, is the hub of all these creative people. Um, and certainly, I'm pretty sure Seth Godin was the one that introduced me to you. I was re reading the Seth Godin blog back then and reading all his books. Um, and somewhere along the line, uh, I'm sure he, he I even mentioned you or said something about your, your podcast or your books. Um, and that's where I discovered you. And so I just find this funny how Seth Godin sort of is this hub of, of the creative world even to, to, to this day. Yeah, we were sort of talking about, I think in that interview, we were talking about how if there was a family tree of right. content creators, right? Like he's kind of the trunk of the family tree. And we would yeah. find out like all of our branches go back to that trunk kind of thing. And then, you know, for him, he would say, well, no, I'm a branch and I go back to like Zig right. Ziglar. Or I go back to, you know, for he sure. would say something like that. But um, yeah, it's really fun. I mean, that's a great example of when you consistently put work into the world for the benefit of other people, you have no idea where that work's going to go. You have no idea how it's going to impact others. And so that, again, that just sort of puts that urgency and diligence on how you approach your work every day, because your work matters. Even little things that you do consistently every single day, um, small conversations you have, if you're a business owner, right? Small conversations you have to build into people on your team, um, how, even how you structure your time and your focus every single day, the disciplines you have around that, all of those things are part of that body of work and they all matter 
because you have no idea what the end result of that is going to be, where that value is going to land and how it's going to impact other people. Yeah, it is amazing. I, I want to know more about you because I, I know a lot about what you do today. Um, I don't know how you got here. How did how did this all start? Where where was the inspiration um, to to start? What's your origin story? Yeah, so it's a long and as my friend Mitch Joel calls it, a squiggly path, right? Yeah. Um, careers only make sense in reverse; they never make sense in you know when looking forward. Um, so I studied marketing in school, and like uh, any good marketing major, I did a tour of duty in the music business um, as a performer, actually. Um, and this is something I, I partially paid my way through college performing music. And I thought, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm 21 years old. I've got my degree. Like if I'm ever going to make a run at this, I might as well try to make a run at it being a singer songwriter. Um, so I did that for a number of years and actually had some you know, fun experiences. We got to, I got to open for a bunch of really you know fun acts. Um, I was, uh, be a little more vulnerable here was a country music singer songwriter. So was playing kind of like West coast Bakersfield, sort yeah. of like honky tonk country, which was really fun. You know, yeah. um, I'm a big country music fan. So I'm, you're, you're home oh, here. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So like, you know, think like Dwight Yoakam, the Mavericks, like yeah, that kind of stuff sure. is what yeah. we're playing. Um, not, you know, really a home for it on pop, you know, country radio back then. Yeah, uh, so, sure. you know, got to play a bunch of great fun shows open for a bunch of people, but um, as most of these stories go, I you know, met a girl and uh, she convinced me that music business, gainful employment and marrying an amazing woman, like you can have two of the three, you can't have all three, right? <laughs> so I chose gainful employment, marrying an amazing woman. And fortunately with my marketing background, um, combined with you know, some of the creative background stuff from the music industry, I was able to land a job um, as, a, as a creative lead at an organization um, where there were just this really small team and ended up um, in the role of creative director. I'm sort of, you know, sort of cut short, cut to the chase a little bit, ended up in the role of creative director over the course of a couple of years, uh, grew that team significantly, was really struggling during that time to figure out how do I keep the team engaged and focused and aligned and uh, started reaching out to creative directors at some of the other you know, agencies here in town and they really didn't have great answers for me. I mean, they would just say, well, we just burn through people and and bring in a fresh crop, right? There's always a line out the door wanting to work here. And I thought, well, that doesn't really seem right. And so I started, you know, kind of doing some research on what are some best practices for keeping a team of talented people engaged. And I wanted to start a conversation about that. And at the time, really kind of blogging was one way to do that. But there was right. this new thing called podcasting. And you know, I had this kind of confluence of my background in audio, you know, so my background with uh, you know, recording and that kind of thing, combined with my love of like teaching and speaking and that kind of thing. Um, and then this new medium, podcasting. So I thought, well, I'll start a podcast. And I called it The Accidental Creative. The idea was how do you forge creative accidents? Um, the first several episodes were profoundly terrible, uh, <laughs> but I put them out. And kind of forgot about it. And about maybe a month or two later, I went back looking for podcasts to listen to. And there was a podcast, Mark, called The Accidental Creative. That was one of the top podcasts on iTunes. And my first thought was, oh, no, I stole someone else's yeah. name. I can't believe I didn't <laughs> check for it. But it was my show that was like one of the top podcasts. And I yeah. realized at that moment, I had stepped into something that was really important and really valuable. That there was a real need for what I, what I was talking yeah. about. Um, even in the very imperfect way I was doing it. And so over the course of a couple of years, um, grew that podcast, 
um, got featured in a couple of articles in national publications, started getting invitations to go speak at some really big companies. So I was flying across the country, speaking at a conference or speaking at a company, flying back, you know, on the red eye to do like an early morning meeting. And I thought, boy, this isn't going to last for very long. Um, then I got offered a book deal by Penguin Random House for the first book, The Accidental Creative. And that was when I realized, okay, I need to, I need to go full bore into this. So I yeah. did started my business. Um, so now for the last 14 years, that's what I've been doing. I've been traveling, training, speaking, writing books, um, you know, helping people be, as I call it, prolific, brilliant, and healthy all at the same time. Uh been privileged to, you know, have the chance to write six books during that span, working on number seven right now. Uh, and uh, yeah, and really primarily my main aim in life is to help people who are creative professionals. Um, those are both important words. Creative meaning, hey, we come up with ideas. We get to do things in a new and unique way. Professional meaning, and we do that under pressure over and over daily for stakeholders, for clients. And we don't always get what we want, right? Sometimes we have to be mercenaries. So how do we balance that pressure to be creative under pressure while at the same time delivering work that we're proud of? Um, that's primarily where I focused for the last 14 years. And that's what I continue to focus on today. When you talk about the beginning, the accidental creative podcast, and you put it out there and didn't expect a whole lot. And all of a sudden it's a top podcast. Um, and then you get articles and speaking gigs and all this stuff happened. Um, were you doing things to sort of cultivate that or was it because you were so early and it was so successful right off the bat, you got noticed and things sort of came to you. So I would say it was a combination of both, but primarily um, the latter, meaning I was, I was in a medium pretty early on where there weren't a lot of competing voices. There were some, but there sure. weren't a lot of competing voices. And also it was a, it was the confluence of something I was really good at um, something I was really passionate about. And something that was kind of still difficult to do um, to the point where not a lot of people were, were trying to do it, uh, weren't trying to start a podcast. Right. Yep. And so I was able to really kind of capture attention early on. And so many of those people still listen to the show today, which is crazy. I'll get emails, emails from people saying, I started listening to you in 2006 or whatever. Yeah. And it's just, it's kind of cool. You know, here we are, what, 16 years later, people are still listening to the show. Um, that plus, yes, I was doing some specific um, like event strategy type of work. Uh, I read a book when I was in my um, early 20s by Ken Cragen, who was a music business um, manager. And he wrote a book called, uh, oh, what was it called? Life is a Contact Sport. And one of the, ironically, what's, this book was so influential on me and helped me with my, my music business stuff. But what's so strange is that Adrian Zakheim was the editor on that book. And Adrian was the editor who signed me to my book deal at Penguin Random House in 2009. Wow. But so how bizarre, like 13 years later, yeah. right? Which is crazy. Yeah. But um, in the book, he talks about how it's not enough to just have a noteworthy product or a really you know talented performer or whatever. You have to structure events to get people's attention. And so what I did is I would cluster interviews. I know right now, every podcast is an interview podcast, but back then podcasts were mostly just people rambling into a microphone, talking about what they were noticing in the world. Like, wow, did you see that game last night? Let me give you my thoughts, right? right yeah. um, so I started interviewing people on Skype in 2007. So I had Steven Pressfield and Seth Godin and David Allen and like all these people started interviewing them on the show and really promoting them. And people were like, this is cool. It's like talk radio only. It's, you know, like I can listen to it whenever I want. 
So that was kind of a, a really fun thing. And what I would do is wait for some big media hit to happen. And then I would do those interviews. I would use that to get the interview. And then I would use both of those to get the attention of people. So it was kind of a, you know, just a way of kind of like um, stacking success up on success. So that was kind of in the early days, that was kind of how I I got people's attention was was doing that. This is before Facebook. This is before Twitter. Right, this is right. before pre, you know, social media. Yeah. Right, exactly. And back then, even email marketing was like, I think constant contact was like one of the only options for email marketing back then. I mean, it was really, really early days. Um, YouTube was nascent, you know. Um, so it, it was really, it was hard to reach people, to find people. But it was that sort of content stacking thing or that, that media stacking thing I was doing that seemed to be a little bit helpful. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. There's a lot to love about being an entrepreneur architect, right? But trying to figure out our financials on our own is not one of those things. Luckily, we have FreshBooks, the all-in-one accounting solution that's built for business owners like us. FreshBooks takes all the not-so-fun parts of running a business, from building and tracking invoices to managing online payments, to organizing expenses and automates them with features like the digital bills and a receipt scanner, saving you up to 11 hours a week in the process. It's also super easy to get up and running and the award-winning FreshBooks support team, they are always available to answer any questions along the way. Compare that to some of the other financial management tools out there. Try FreshBooks for free for 30 days, no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash architect to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash architect. So what will you do with 11 more hours each week? This episode is brought to you by rcat.com. We all have that one story, that one project that had such a unique situation that it required a solution that you had rarely considered before. We share these stories in private professional circles with our friends and our colleagues, but there has never been a collection of these stories of conflict and triumph all in one place until now. Detailed is a podcast series that features architects, engineers, builders, and manufacturers who share their insights and expertise as they highlight some of the most complex, interesting, and oddball building conditions that they have ever encountered and the ingenuity it took to solve them. Join host Sharice Lakeside, AKA CSI Kraken, a senior specifications writer at RDH Building Science as she uncovers lessons learned to help you navigate similar challenges that may arise in your next project. Detailed, an original podcast by ArtCat. Listen and subscribe right now at artcat.com slash podcast. That's rcat.com slash podcast, A-R-C-A-T dot com slash podcast. Detailed. Every building has a story. Please visit our sponsors today and thank them. Thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So what are you what are you doing today? You, you've written six books. You have the, the five that I, I mentioned earlier. Daily Creative is your newest, which is different than your other books. Well, how is. is what's Daily Creative, and how is it structured, and how how can it help creative people like like us? 
Yeah. So all five of my other books are what are typically called big idea books, right? So um, the accidental creative is, oh, you have to be creative at the moment's notice. So here are some practices to build into your life to prepare you for those moments. Die Empty was about, okay, you're prepared for those moments, but are you doing the work that really matters? Are you just cranking out work? How can you ensure you get your best work out, right? Louder Than Words was about, okay, you're doing work that matters, but is anybody paying attention, right? Uh, How do you develop your voice so that it resonates with other people? Herding Tigers was leading talented people. So what does it take to lead talented, creative people? Motivation goes about what drives us. Daily Creative was very different. So in the pandemic, um, which by the way, I don't know if you know this, Mark, and those listening, we've just been through a global pandemic. I don't know if that's if that's I've something heard. people are aware of or not. Yes, yes, I know. I heard something about it vaguely. I've been locked in my um, house for two years, so I haven't, <laughs> haven't heard much news lately. Um, but so what... what um, I was thinking I was, it was time to start working on my next book. And I just kept hearing from people that I was meeting with virtually, you know, teams and leaders that they just felt, they felt like they were drowning, you know, just yeah. we're trying to do work. We're um, struggling just to kind of get by. We're trying to navigate, not just getting the work done, but also these new ways of working and collaborating. And what does culture even look like now that we're, you know, in this kind of virtual space. And I started thinking, you know, the last thing you want to do when somebody's drowning is, toss them a 300 page manual about how to swim better, right? No, you just want to give them like short, quick instructions to help them calibrate and and get back in the boat. And so that's what I did. I wrote a daily reader for creative professionals. It's 366 daily um, essays with a short prompt. And it really draws from a lot of the best stuff that I've written in my other books um, and, and a lot of new stuff as well. But it's really designed just to be kind of like a quick calibrating thought every day that helps you either develop your mindset or build a practice or have a conversation or do something that's going to make you better. So for example, for your audience, people who are maybe leading architecture firms, you know, you have all these pressures where you have to not only make sure the work is good, right? Because that's the primary output of your organization. So if you're not doing good work, you're not going to keep your client base for very long. But also you have all these other pressures of like, maybe you didn't intend to manage people, but now you have employees that you have to manage. And, you know, that leads to its own set of complexities, or you have all of these business pressures. You have to be thinking not just about how you do the work of the business, but where's the business going? What's my vision for this? Where's it going to go? And how do I get people on the same page? So a lot of the practices in daily creative are designed for things like having those strategic conversations about vision with your team. So have you had this conversation with your team recently? Or, um, you know, for example, um, uh, there's one entry that's about what I call ghost rules. These are invisible narratives that creep up in organizations, things like, well, that'll never work around here, or um, so-and-so will never go for that, or the client will never go for that, or this never works, right? These are invisible narratives that can easily creep into our organizational ethos and begin to limit where we're willing to look for ideas. So we have to challenge that pretty consistently. Have you heard any ghost rules lately? Is there anything that you need to you know, call out in front of the team and say, hey, I know we've been saying this lately and I don't think it's actually true. Let's challenge that assumption and see if there's maybe some value on the other side of it. So it's, you know, it's kind of things like that, um, just little things, but very effective things that we can do routinely to help us be better leaders and better creative professionals. Yeah, I, I I would say that all of your books, all of the first five, is the portfolio that architects should be reading, right? All from one, mm. one, two, three, four, five, all, all of them are things that we struggle with. Um, and having sort of a, a daily, um, almost a, a, you know, a, a daily directive, right? That this is something that we can do to move ourselves forward creatively 
uh, is such a great idea. Um, it's and they're quick, right? They're short and focused, you know, inspiring little quick little clips that that we can you know check every morning and and you know use it to structure our day. Such a good idea. Uh, I wanted to just read a, a, the excerpt from Amazon when I was looking at the, the the excerpt. It says the pressure we feel to continually create value with our minds can cause tremendous stress and eventually neutralize our ability to be effective in our role long-term. The Daily Creative is a daily reader for busy professionals, creative and otherwise, designed to help you gain focus for your day and advance toward your goals. Architects are struggling. This, much mm. like the rest of our society are struggling. Um, architects, our community of architects, small firm business owners, um, are very much feeling that pressure that 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 you you've mentioned there. Um, is there something very specific that they could be doing to you know take away from this conversation um, to help sort of alleviate some of that pressure uh, on a daily basis? Yeah, so I'll give you a very simple framework. This is the framework from the book, The Accidental Creative. I teach it all over the world Perfect. to busy professionals. Uh, and it spells the word fresh, F-R-E-S-H, um, to make it easy to remember. The first is focus. I encourage everyone to sit down, everyone listening, to sit down each day and ask, what are the specific problems that I need to solve today? Not what problem, not what projects am I working on? Because projects are conceptual constructs. They're they're groups of problems. That's all projects are. But projects, when we talk about projects, it's easy to get to to get misaligned. You talk about the project, I talk about the project. We might mean very different things when we're talking about that project. So if we very specifically talk about problems that we're solving, then we're on the same page. We can have a meaningful conversation. So what are the problems today that I need to solve? Because that's what creativity is. It's problem solving. Right. That's a very simple, it's one of many practices related to focus that we can build in. The second is relationships. We do not work in isolation, even though a lot of creative work has to be done in isolation, meaning my creative work has to be done typically on my own. I'm doing the thought, I'm putting the effort into it. We need others in order to see our work effectively. So do you have people in your life, do you have someone in your life who you meet with routinely to talk about what you're working on, you can bounce issues off of that you can, I mean, especially for those who lead firms, you know, leadership is only lonely if you're doing it wrong, right? People say leadership is lonely. Well, it's only lonely if you're doing it wrong. It doesn't have to be lonely. People choose to make it lonely. Do you have someone in your life you meet with routinely where you talk very openly, who's going to hold you accountable, first of all, but second of all, where you can talk very openly about what you're struggling with or celebrate with or whatever. We need others in our life. So who is that for you in your life? The third thing is energy. That's the E. So it focus relationships, energy. It's really easy for us to become overburdened, especially as business owners, where we stack system and meeting and obligation after obligation into our lives to the point where we feel suffocated. Uh, our lives are full and maybe we spend all day very busy, but we don't necessarily feel like we made a lot of progress. As a matter of fact, we might even feel like we lost ground even after having a really busy day, which is kind of crazy, but it happens pretty routinely. Um, so one practice, very simple practice is sit down routinely, I recommend once a month and look at all the commitments in your life, all the recurring meetings, all the obligations, the projects, the everything that you're doing and not just your work life, but your personal life as well. And ask yourself, which of these good things needs to go away so that I can have the space for something better to be born. Um, if you're constantly 
suffocated by the commitments in your life, you're not going to be able to put the emotional labor into coming up with new and more interesting ideas. Why? Because it's taking everything you have just to hold it together. So we have to make sure that we're managing our energy effectively, which is about pruning, consistently pruning commitments in our life that may be good, but they're not the best thing. So that's the third thing. The fourth is stimuli. These are all the dots that we connect in order to come up with ideas, but many of us are less than purposeful about the kinds of stimuli that we put in our lives. So do you have routine time in your life where you sit down to study, to read, to think, to commune with great minds, as Stephen Sample from USC calls it? Um, You need to have that in your life. If you want to come up with great ideas, you you need high quality stimuli to connect. Steve Jobs once quips, creativity is just connecting things, right? And that's largely true, but you need high quality dots to connect. The fifth area is hours. So this is especially true, I think, for entree architects, right? Because most people get into the business of architecture because why? Because they love to be an architect. They love drawing. They love the creative part of it. That's why they were drawn to it. Nobody went to school to be an architect thinking, I can't wait to get into QuickBooks, right? Right. Like nobody did that, but yet here we are, you know, on the other side of it. And now we spend most of our time running the business and maybe less of our time doing the thing that drew us to it, to to it, to begin with. So one of the practices I encourage people to have is something I call back burner creating, which is, do you have any time in your life dedicated to generating ideas, to doing creative work, to developing your skills, just getting reconnected with your creative first love. So for an architect, that could mean, do you have any time in your life where you're just playing around with your architecture skills, where you're just kind of messing around and creating for your sake? Nobody's going to see it. Nobody's paying you to do it. You're just doing it to develop your skills, to reconnect with your first love. I talk all the time with creative directors from agencies who come up from the design side and I'll ask them, when was the last time you designed something that nobody was looking over your shoulder, nobody was judging, nobody was critiquing, nobody was paying you for And the answer often is, I can't remember. I literally can't remember the last time I did that. So I encourage you to have some time in your life where you're doing that, reconnecting with your first love. So focus, relationships, energy, stimuli, hours. There are a ton of other practices, but that's just one from each of those areas that you could begin implementing now to help you be more effective. Yeah, fantastic. If you want to learn more about that, the book is The Accidental Creative. Um, Fantastic. You know, I, I want before we wrap up, I want to ask you, the one question that I ask everybody, because this is one of those questions that that architects, you know, use with each one of these episodes to sort of take away uh, what they've learned and, and go apply them. What you just shared is certainly certainly one of those things. What, what would you say is the one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? The main thing is you have to protect. You have to protect the value that you bring to your organization, which is your intuition. Your intuition is the most important asset that you have. It's the most important thing that you bring that nobody else can bring to your organization. So whatever it takes for you to be able to protect that intuition, to to position yourself, to be able to make good decisions on behalf of your organization, if that means you need to block off some time every week to just go take a walk in the park so that you can allow your thoughts to coalesce, if that means that you you need to come in a little later so you can have some time in the morning to to take care of yourself. Whatever it takes for you to protect that intuition, recognize that is the most important asset that you have as a, as a leader 
uh, in your organization and you need to do whatever it takes to protect it. Fantastic. His name is Todd Henry. Uh, the website is accidentalcreative.com. The new book is Daily Creative. We'll have links to all of that on the show notes. Todd, thank you. Thank you for the work that you do and that you've been doing all these years. I appreciate you for being there for me in the very beginning, planting those seeds to allow me to build the platform that I've built. Certainly a big inspiration and motivation back then. But I appreciate you also coming back and coming on the show and sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for all the great work that you did. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, share a link with a friend. That's how Entree Architect has grown to serve thousands of architects just like you. Please share a rating, write a review, share a link to this episode with a friend. I'd appreciate it. Links to all our sponsors and all the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. It's the network dedicated to architects, engineers, and construction pros. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at Gable Media at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. Go check it out. We have, I think, 13 podcasts over there now. Gablemedia.com. And before we wrap up, a special thank you to our partners at Graphisoft for helping our community of architects make the transition to BIM with ARCHICAD software. Go now to graphisoft.com slash US slash Architect and see how Graphisoft is positioning to help make your architecture firm a success. Visit graphisoft.com slash US slash Architect to learn more. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage. Love, learn, and go share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, Stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. 
Oh one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.